This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hey everyone. Nick, there's a bit on. Bit happening. Um, you can probably you probably hear in our voices that we uh, have been burning the candle at both ends. But when you watch maybe the greatest grand final ever, you know you gotta you gotta step it up a little bit, man. You gotta you gotta true. find you gotta find something extra, even I, if things look, even if things look hopeless. I cannot believe that sixty odd minutes into that game, we're sitting there. The crowd, which was probably 70-30 Broncos going absolutely hog wild. There's dudes banging on the walls of the media box, yelling up the Broncos, all this stuff. It's it's absolute party time. Nathan Cleary is having one of his worst ever games in, in, a, in, a, in a finals, and it looks like this dynasty is over. The Brisbane are going to cruise to the finish line. But, but then... I don't think any of that way. It's better to say. <laughs> I, then all that stuff you're talking about, that stopped happening. And, yeah. And other things started happening. And I have never seen anything like it. I think it's the loudest I've heard that stadium since I was there in 2005 for that Socceroos versus Uruguay game. It's the, it's the most insane ending to a grand final I can remember. Yeah, I understand 2015 happened. But, you know, that's just a close game and a team scores a try at the end. This was, this team is dead. And the one knock on this team that's that's always been is if they were ever down big in a game, they don't have the gears to come back. They don't have the ability to score a bunch of points in quick succession, especially on a night where they had had a thousand play the balls inside the Brisbane 20 and had no points to show for it. Their only points, of course, coming off two Adam Reynolds dropouts. And then everything that we knew about Penrith, everything that we assumed was going to happen from that point onwards just, didn't it could not have been more polarizingly opposite to what conventional wisdom would have suggested would happen beyond that point and i am so glad that we were there to see it live and i'll never forget being there but because holy shit like it, it, i'm still a bit flat. like after the game we were relatively lost for words um and even now just i watched it again this morning and it's just what the fuck did we just watch it's as good as it gets, man. It's as good as it. Like a, a, a big apologies to all the Broncos fans out there. I know you're all doing it tough, and I know you're all really, really hurting. Um, yep. There's nothing anyone can say that'll make you feel better. Um, and Doctor Campo would prescribe just like don't engage with footy stuff for a couple of days, man. Give yourself some time off. Go for a swim. Yeah, go for a yeah, get get in the water. Go for a paddle. Mm. But for people like us who didn't have an emotional stake in this game, like. I, I have mates who are Broncos fans who want a Brisbane to do well for them. I have mates who are Panthers fans who want, them, want the Panthers to do well for them. But for guys like us who don't have an emotional stake in this game, who are just approaching this as neutrals, who just want to see a good contest, like, like just what a what an absolute treat, man. Like, it, 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 it truly was as good as it gets. And we had high expectations for this game. We, we talked a lot about how both teams' strengths were squarely pointed at each other. And it, and it could, and it, you know, it had the potential to be, something really crackerjack, but it it's it surpassed all of my expectations. It, it it really, it really, really did. And I've got to agree with you with Cleary. I've never seen a player do that. I've I've seen guys have better, like better 80 minute performances in a grand final. And I've seen players maybe start a grand final 
with the 20 minutes like that. Like I, I thought back to Luke Keary in 2018 or something, something similar, mm. but I've never seen that. I've never seen a team that's like dead and buried. Like I was st- like when Brisbane were up 24, eight, I was starting to think they could get, they could hit 40 here. They're in a mood and they might just run it up. And clearly he doesn't have his halves partner. He doesn't have the ball playing lock. Who's so important to his, to his game for large part for, for, for large stints of that second half. He's got a back rower in the centres because Isaac Tonga comes off. And he's just played like, after 60 minutes, a shocker in attack and defence. His kicking game wasn't working. He was getting cut up defensively. But he just stayed on the job. He just stayed on the job. And he just kept kept doing it, kept trying to make the right plays. And then it all started started paying off. I I, I sort of wrote a little bit about this last night, but... Mm. Cleary's superpower as a halfback isn't isn't sort of like brilliant natural ability. Like he says all the time that he doesn't have that much. His God-given gifts aren't much, right? And everything he's got is is, uh, uh, is everything he's got is sort of something he gave to himself through endless endless hours of practice. And the key plays that he made down the stretch, every single one of them are things that he learned how to do rather than things he was sort of born with, you know, all, all halfbacks work hard, right? All halfbacks work hard, but a lot of them start from a lot further ahead than, than someone like Nathan Cleary does, you know, like Ezra Mams, Ezra Mams three tries, unbelievable. Like the first, the first one in particular is one of the great solo efforts in grand final. Incredible. Ezra Mam can do that because Ezra Mam has speed and footwork that you cannot teach, that you cannot, you cannot ever hope to learn to run like that. But if you look at the, the key plays that Nathan Cleary made, right? He was able to go past Kurt Capewell to set up that Moses Leota try because Jack Cogger digs into the line because Jack Cogger came on and they changed up the way they were playing. Cogger came on, they were going to play a lot more direct and try and give Cleary more room to create, which they had to do because he's the only creative guy left out there. And it gets him one-on-one with Kurt Capewell, who he knows is a can be a, a sloppy defender when he's tired. And he takes him on with his running game and that sets up the first try. The 40-20 on the next set, people are bagging Walsh because he's out of position on that. The reason he's out of position is because Cleary looks him off. It's like it's like a, a quarterback looking off a linebacker in, in the NFL. Cleary's eyes and body language are all pointed towards one sideline, and that's where Walsh goes. And then Cleary hooks it all the way back across to the other side of the field. It's about a 60-meter kick altogether. And he's able to do that because he knows Walsh will see his eyes and he knows Walsh will go. Then the Crichton try, that's not anything Cleary creates. And he said in an interview after the game, he goes, I didn't create anything there. He just, he goes, I felt Critter was getting the better of that one-on-one battle. So I got it to him early. And then the final try, the final try just comes from him playing straight and playing direct and running the ball well, which is maybe the, it's maybe the only thing he's got close to a, to a God-given gift. You know, he just, he just, but he just played to his strengths time and time and time again. And it was just an incredible feat of mental resilience. And, um, I like you know. I, I think it's the greatest game he's ever played, mm. and I think when he retires in ten years' time, and he'll probably have achieved a lot more than than he already has, and he's already achieved a lot. I think I think this will always be the greatest game he's ever played. Yep. I think, and- I, think that, I think that will always be the greatest night of his career. You know, and I, if he does something better, then I can't imagine what it could look <laughs> like. And after watching this Penrith team, I can imagine quite a bit. You yeah, know? I, I just hope if he does that we're there to watch it because. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll jump back to the start of the game in a minute, but I do want to keep talking about Cleary a little bit more. And yeah, we both wrote about this afterwards. You focused on that stuff that you nailed perfectly just then, and, and your story was very good, as it always is. 
I wrote more a little bit about how, I mean, I've spoken before about the sort of the way the internet's made us more mean and the way it's made us more sort of dismissive about great athletes and world-class performers in the sports world. So this isn't obviously a unique concept to the NRL. This is every sport, every anything that has a competitive nature to it. And Nathan Cleary has always been a guy that I thought is overhated by people, even by people whose opinions on this sport I genuinely, sincerely respect. Have never had a lot of time for this guy. The, I feel like there's some people that act like if Luke Brooks was the halfback of these Penrith teams in the last three years, that they'd be almost as good as they are. And it's just not true. And this is a guy who, even though he won the Clark Churchill medal, deservedly so, two years ago, this is still a guy who gets called a fraud and a big game botlow and has that lunatic that writes 75 picture tweet threads about him every time he loses a game. Why that fella be sick today? Oh my God. I haven't had a, I haven't had a look yet, but I can't wait. I do love that mid-press conference, you just texted me. I wonder if the screenshot pervert's doing okay. But that's the thing, man. There's, there's so many people like that guy who are just obsessed with being right about having a take, about having about fading some guy's ability and being like, yeah, you see, this guy's not that good. I was right. And we've, I don't think you or I are really guilty of that because we just like watching the, watching this sport. I'm more guilty of it in the NFL where I'm a bit of a gronk, but that's another story. But when a game like this happens and he's not playing well for the first hour of this game, but then that switch flips and everything changes and he went God mode. And I agree with you, Matt. I've never seen a guy finish off a game like this. I've never seen a guy have a 20 minutes quite like this in the NRL ever in my life. And and to do that in that moment and people go, oh, this guy doesn't do it in big games. Oh, this guy doesn't have a signature moment like an Andrew Johns or a Jonathan Thurston. This guy, this guy is never going to be able to take a game by the scruff of the neck like those guys do. He's a product of the system rather than being the system. And it's like, well, mate, last night the system fucking failed and Nathan Cleary stepped up and He's going he's got that moment now. He's got that big game. He's got that signature. I mean, he had all this stuff in 2021, but that try and the way that game ended, he now has those moments on his resume that means that we can finally just put that tedious discussion in a box forever, never to be opened again. And I can't be happier about that because for for whatever reason, people hate this guy. You might think he's arrogant, all that stuff. That's totally fine. That's your prerogative. But they use that as a stick to beat him with and act like he's not a world-class player. He is a world-class player. He's been a world-class player for years and years and years, and this is this is the pinnacle of all of that stuff. And I, I'm stoked for him. And, and it was look, looking at him after the game, man, like it didn't feel like it had sunk in with him yet what he'd just yeah. done. It felt like he was I, having an out-of-body experience. I don't think any of the Panthers fully grasped or comprehended, one, what Cleary had done, and, and two, what they had done as a team mm. in winning this game and securing three straight. Like, a lot of the time when you talk to blokes after the grand final, it's very clear that it's all still sinking in for them. But this felt a little bit different again. Like uh, I think it'll, it'll take a while for it, for it to really get across, not just for these guys, but for us as well. You yeah. know, like it was, it's, this is one of the very, very special ones. You know, you know what sucks though, is I think, I think for when Origin comes next year, the Cleary stuff's going to come up again and people are going to say, well, Origin's different to grand finals and somehow this gets invalidated and all that. But yeah, just remember that this this Penrith team looked absolutely dead. They were in the worst position for, for a team of their skill set that could possibly, possibly be in. And the way they got out of the hole is because Cleary brought them back up, you know? And that's that's his big thing. Like if you... I think I wrote it in my story. If you give him enough time, he could beat down a mountain. If you give him enough time, he could dig all the way down to hell, you know? And Brizzy just gave him 
just a little bit too much time because he he never stops. He's re, he's relentless in that way, and that's and I think his attitude and his leadership is a big part of why Penrith have been able to put this together because attitude does reflect leadership, you know. Yeah. And Cleary is one of those absolute psychos who just always wants to get better. There's not many blokes like that, even at the very top level of professional sport. You know, it's so easy when you get to the top to just keep doing the things that got you there and not try and add mm. more stuff to your, to your kit bag, not tr- like to, st- to stop trying to get better and, and trying to just to maintain what you got. But Cleary's not like that. Cleary never, ever, ever, ever stops, you know? And I think so much of the drive and intensity and ferocity to succeed that Penrith have, I think a lot of it, really flows from him um there's I, I don't think there's enough good things you can say about him today it was no, just, it was magnificent it, it it truly was and it, it was funny he they got like without hesitation when isaiah yo got asked that in the press conference and when I, we asked Jerome Luai about it afterwards in the sheds and other that yeah he's the best player in the world no doubt no doubt for them and i think that i think that they as well they they see that i mean I don't know why athletes still continue to deny that they are, oh, they don't pay attention to outs. You all do. It's like, you all see this shit. You all see the things that people say about you, about your mates that are on your team with you. And I'm sure that people saw the stuff that, um, I'm sure that those players saw the stuff that people write about Nathan Cleary and it pissed them off. It would piss me off if I saw tweets that called Nick Campton a system journalist or things like that. I'd be, I'd be very upset by it. So He's getting, like, car- he's getting carried by the ABC. Exactly. <laughs> so and that, that would piss me off. So, of course, that stuff should piss those guys off. And I thought that I, – I, I reckon that there was a part of that that they were thinking about when they were talking about him after the game because they were so forthright in their opinions. They were so absolute. Like, yeah, he's the best player in the world. No one's ever been better. There's no one like him. You've got to talk about him in the way you talk about Andrew Johnson, Jonathan Thurston, and all those guys now. He's won three in a row. Those blokes never did that. And you know what? It might sound obscene, but he, they're right. Those guys didn't do that. I understand it's a team game and all that crap, but – Three premierships in a row, the best player on the field in two of them. Nothing to sneeze at. No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> okay, let's 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 go back to the start of the game. So we've done yep. the Cleary chat. Let's like really dig deep into this one. So like, they're like the first twenty odd minutes, or maybe even a little bit more than that. It it it, it kind of went. Actually, the the whole game until the Cleary stuff kind of went the way I expected it was going to go. Penrith came out like like absolute wounds. Like they were going, they were going crazy. You know, like I thought Moses Leota and Fisher Harris were just setting the tone with every single carry. And Leota sustained that through the entire game. If Cleary, if you, for some reason, if Cleary was suspended and couldn't get the Clive Churchill medal or whatever, then Leota would have been my second Penrith choice. Like I thought he was fantastic and he really helped set the tone in a physical sense. And Brisbane were up for the game Physically, like definitely, they were throwing yeah. themselves around. But Penrith definitely got the physicality edge early. And that sort of led to a lot of field position and a lot of possession on Brisbane's line. Brisbane, after about 10 minutes, started to have a couple of cracks in them in terms of the lapses in concentration and coming out of yardage. I think there was the Tony Staggs drop while he was playing the ball. There was a, a Selwyn Cobo drop that was pretty pretty easy as well. And they sort of invited Penrith down there in a little bit, which as we identified in the lead up, they just absolutely could not afford to do. But while they were bending occasionally, they didn't break. Their defense in that first half was just absolutely top notch. Like their contact on the line and some of the decision-making was excellent. And from guys who we don't really think about in that context, you know, like when we talk about Stags and Farnworth, we always talk about their attack, but 
Farnworth in particular made some great, some great choices, some great reads. And Penrith tried really hard to get their right side going. Like we like again, another thing we talked about on the on the previous show, they were going for those nice patterns that they have where you know there's so many bodies in motion and the onus is really on the defenders to make correct decisions over and over and over again. But they kept on doing it, you know. Um, and there were guys like Jesse Arthurs who had the game. Unbelievable, of- incredible. Like- just absolutely terrific on that on that wing, both in attack and defence. And Brisbane kept holding on, kept holding on, kept holding on. And then, of course, it was Mitch Kenny who uh, the funniest who down the crack. The fun- like, how the fuck is it? Like I haven't been to a grand final since twenty nineteen, and in both of those games, somehow the first try was scored by a hooker who never scores tries. Fantastic. Mitch, yeah, Mitch Kenny try number two in career game number eighty three. Tr- tremendous. Like. I, I I like the short dropout. I think it's a viable tactic. Um, you do have to be careful of this sort of stuff happening. But the two inexplicable things is why didn't Farnworth just catch it? That is over the 10. Why is he trying to bat it down? Why, yeah, so he must have just sort of lost the run of himself. But two, why when the ball is in the air then is Mitch... Does Mitch What's he doing run? there? <laughs> why does he run forward towards the try line? That's got to be something they're coached, right? Like, oh, this guy looks for the bat back, so just be there for the scraps just in case or something. I have no idea. I, I, if I, they're coaching for that shit, then fucking fair play to them. Yeah, cause... that's the thing. I think Cleary's a great coach and his staff at Paris do an incredible job. If, if one, they're in that in-depth enough, and two, they're, they're well-drilled enough that Mitch Kenny knows that what he's supposed to do in that moment, then... Hats off, but I thought it was more just Kenny just kind of wandering up and seeing what was going on. And Farnworth put it on a on a platter for him, you know, and that sort of kicked off a tough period for the Broncos. There was another dropout that the Panthers forced and Reynolds um, Reynolds put it out on the full. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was 8-0, but Penrith had, had all this ball. Yeah, they had 30 play the balls inside the 20 with yeah. zero points to show for it. Yeah, they had all this ball and all this field position, but the only try that they had was a was a freak, a freak thing, the sort of try that Canberra scored. Mm. And Penrith aren't crazy enough to use fluke tries as a continued part of their process. They're not brave enough to do that like the Raiders do. Yeah. I could not believe the, that Brisbane's resilience in that first in that first half. Because it was it was, it was, yeah, it was A, it was still so fucking hot, but yeah. <laughs> and B, like they just threw everything at them and they didn't wilt, they didn't break. And the stuff we talked about on Friday about how the one thing you can't do is turn over the ball in your own half. But you mentioned a few, you rattled them off just there. They did it like three or four times. I know, and it I didn't know, matter. To, to and all that stuff, fast. all that stuff doesn't matter as long as the like you can you can lose on every stat on the board. But if the scoreboard doesn't tick over, it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, and then it was, it was it was funny. There was a there was a carry that Katoni Stags had um, around halfway. Like while they, they had a bit of a right side shift going and Walsh got him in a bit of space and he tried to hurdle a defender. And I don't remember who the defender was, but the defenders like crashed into his legs. Stags has hit the ground really hard. It was just like bodies flying in opposite directions. And I remember sitting there thinking, this game's actually really dangerous. <laughs> Not let my child play this sport. You know what I mean? Like I see, I see Leota bump off Pat Carrigan. I'm oh, like, that wasn't yeah, that good. Is, hell yeah, this is great. Then I see something like that, and I was like, "Fuck, are these boys okay? Like, did everyone sign the permission slips? It's like, have we we been transported to ancient Rome? (laughs) Is this the Colosseum? I don't know why. It just really struck me. I think Moses Leota could beat a lion in a fight, by the way. Yeah. Oh, mate, I'm backing him. I'm backing him. Does he get to run at the lion? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Back fence. Good luck, lion. Good luck, Simba, you piece of shit. (laughs) Here comes Moses. But so then, and then after after that, 
after Penrith went up 8-0, I thought Brisbane finally settled down a little bit more and just sort of got a bit of good footy together and then finally got some good ball for just the second time mm. in the half. And I just like I, I I'm not someone who likes to point out when I call my own shots because I'm wrong. This was incredible. Time. Call I'm it. This is, a, this is amazing. But they 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 kicked for line and it's the last set before half time. And I was in the press box next to Bungard and I got up and walked outside. Then they ended up scoring. And I come back in and Bungard says to me, where'd you go? You missed it. And I said, no, I knew they were going to score. I wanted to be outside when it happened because it was right in front of all the Broncos fans. Mm. And that's that, that, that. And again, there was some psycho bloke who was next to the press box. I loved it. I felt so bad for this guy. I know, but, like, it looked like he was going to jump off he the wasn't, He wasn't like being, he wasn't being a punter. No, he was just one of those dudes was kicking every ball, throwing every pass. Living and dying on every tackle. It was it was good shit. Yeah. yeah. And I, so I was standing next to him when it happened and we high-fived and shit and it was great. And like, and I thought that when Penrith have all those advantages and Brisbane are down, are only down by two points and they get the last try before half time, I was like, that was Penrith's best punch and it knocked Brisbane down, but they bounced up. They bounced up again. And I yeah. was like, that was best, that was Penrith's best punch and they're not going to be able to sustain that, right? And I think, and I thought Brisbane were going to come out fast and be really flashy and get some of their shit going. I was texting my Broncos mates at halftime saying, I, th- I think they've got it. I think they're going to be able to kick here and 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 fly down the straight. Mm. I didn't expect them to kick the way they did. I, <laughs> so, I didn't, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I had, um, I had a, I, I'm in one group chat where most of the people in it are Victorian. So they don't watch a lot of rugby league, but they were messaging me, asking me questions about the game and stuff. And they were like, I thought this Penrith team was supposed to be the best team after Mam's third try. And I was like, and I said to them, this has never happened before. Yep. No one has ever done this to this team in like the four years where they've been the best team, bar Melbourne in the first 20 minutes, the first half hour of that grand but, final. But even, even that, that was an intercept. Like that was one, uh, there was a backline play for one try, a length of the field intercept mm. and a sort of freak thing where Cam Smith drops the ball, but it's back and he picks it up. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't like. Well, this was, was just, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to just, we're going to fly gonna, at you. We are going to Good blow, luck stopping We us. are going to fucking blow you up. And I've, again, like I've never seen it. Dylan Edwards just looked completely at sea at oh, fullback like that. Like no he, one does that to Dylan Edwards. No one him. couldn't get near him. Like he barely got a touch on him, just right at the end. And it was like, and it's not like there was something on. It's not like there was some big pretty shift and Welsh beat two blokes. All that did that did that did happen later. That first one is just like the first yeah, one's ridiculous. Oh, that it'll like obviously it gets lost now. But that's one of the I was going to say great grand. I was going to say Brisbane guys. fans, welcome to the club of guy. Uh, your five eighth scoring a six solo try in a grand final that you lose to Penrith. <laughs> we meet on Wednesdays. We watch that one play from the game and nothing else. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so he he gets the first one, and and to me that just sort of, that brought Brisbane out of their shell, and they were moving the ball, and they were offloading, and it was like it was like fuck, here it comes. Like mm. this is it now. This is this is that red hot period that we knew Brisbane were going to have. And it was just about when it happened and how much they got out of it. And then that second man one, that's just Brisbane playing at that pace that we talked about. That is just too much. It's too much for any team to go with, you know, and it's, and man does it again. And this time he, he goes past Yo and Cleary, like two excellent, excellent defenders. First try he got past uh, Tungo. And you know why he got past Tungo? He can't grip. Can't grip. We talked about it in the lead up. He's got that peck injury. Can't grip. Tried to grip. Can't grip. No gripping. But that second one, man, just blows past Yo and, and Cleary. Two, again, two excellent defenders. Two of the best defenders in their positions in the entire league. 
you know, and just whoa, red hot. And then the third one, like we'll talk more about Reese Walsh later. And there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about it, but a lot mm. of people are also getting to be absolutely like cut clear his face off. Yeah, with that, with that step and set it up for Mam. And when Mam got that third try, I'm like, I was like everyone else. I thought Brisbane could put forty on here. Mm. This could not just be a victory. This could be like a Roman triumph. Like this is, this I, is the sort of thing like in crooked elections when they can't just win; they have to win by a million votes. So they yeah. get someone to vote. They shave his beard and send him back to vote again. I, you know I, what I mean? It I started early vote often Ezra Mam number one. I, I started writing a lead for my column just and basically say talking about how this wasn't supposed to happen. Like even if Penrith lose a game, you weren't supposed to be able to do this to them and all this yeah. stuff. And then I had to just delete it all. Yeah, I, had, I had I had I had half a column written on Brisbane as well. Yeah. I started it. I started it with the second Mam try. Stepped it up with the third Mam try. And then once Leota scored, I thought, okay, settle down. And then Crichton scored, and I was just like, oh. the last, the last ten minutes, the last ten minutes, I was like, we I didn't write a goddamn thing. thing. I can't take notes. Like, you just got to watch this. Yeah. You just got to let it wash over you. Mm. And they, yeah, and they just got, they got run down. And I, I don't think this takes anything away from Penrith, but I think a, a part, a, a part of the story of this game that that again, does not diminish anything Penrith did, but part of the story is that Brisbane blew it. Oh, yeah. Brisbane blew it, and I really do think Brisbane blew it. And I think when Mam got that third try, they were like everyone else in the stadium. They thought the game was over. I think sure. Penrith thought the game was over. I don't care who. I don't care what team you are. If you're up by 16 points with 20 minutes to go and you don't win, you blew it. That's yeah, just reality. Absolutely. Like, and and I think, I think Penrith thought it was over too. Penrith just sort of kept doing what they do because that's what they do. Like, they never, they never sort of, just pack it all in and throw the towel in. But it wasn't like they were – I asked Jack Cogger about this. It's not like they were standing behind the post saying, yeah, lads, we can still get them. Like, <laughs> I think they were just like, come on, boys, let's finish strong and see what happens. You know, but, um, yeah, I, I think Brisbane just went away from what worked for them. I think they went away from that fast, expansive style footy that, that's that's done the job for them for so, so long. And I think I've talked a lot this year about how hungry Brisbane are for success and how badly they want it and how much they chase it. And that last, that sort of 10-minute period between the Mam try and the Leota try, that was the first time all season where I think that hunger subsided a little bit. Mm. And they and they thought that they finally had that thing that they'd been chasing, that they'd been craving. And they and, only and you could tell, and then and they just sort of they lost that intensity, they lost that zeal, they lost that 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 hunger to excel. And they they went so back to it. They went back to it a little bit once. Um, once Penrith got back in the game, like you, like Reese Walsh makes that line break at twenty four twenty, and we were both we both saw Mam pushing up in support, and we were like, yeah. "Oh fuck! If he finds him here, he's off the number four, and the game's over." Yeah. But he just couldn't find him, and yeah. So I, I watched that. I watched that again today from another couple of angles because I wanted to see if it was possible for Walsh to get it to him. Mm. And I think so. Walsh sort of veers right, and I don't think he. I don't think he even sees Mam because I think if he did, he would have kicked it. Yep. And maybe that kick would have worked, but I don't even think he spots him, you know? But when it happened, I was thinking, holy shit, like, man's going to get four. And I don't know. Like, okay. <laughs> he's going to, he, like, we're gonna, are we going to build a statue for him? Like, we, is he, he going to run for prime minister? Like, I'd vote for him. Vote for him? Am I going to, am I going to be a speechwriter? Like, is this how it happens? You know, is, I, is this how I get to parliament house? If I could give my Broncos friends a second piece of advice beyond go for a swim, 
it's like don't like don't go back and watch these little plays and wonder what could have been like Campo can because that's his job and we have to come on here and talk about it. Don't you do that? Don't you go back and watch these plays and think, geez, what if this has gone away or what if that had gone away? It just drives you crazy. If you, I don't know if you remember this, mate, like Cam Murray made a line break with two minutes to go in that grand final, and I thought he could have found Damian Cook with a pass, and he didn't. And yeah. I went back and watched it like ten times, and it's it's not healthy. Just to, yeah. just just don't do yeah. it. Joey, Joey Lelua made a bust at the end of the nineteen oh, grand final, and he had Bailey Simonson on the inside, and I haven't watched it since. I know some Raiders fans think he could have got it there. I don't think he could have, but the yeah. man in the arena. And we can tell we can tell you not to stress over this stuff, not to chew but it. It's only natural to do it. I know you yeah, you're gonna you're gonna do it anyway, lads. And yeah. Yeah. And there's no way around that. And that was the thing. I was talking to some Broncos fans after the game last night, and there's nothing anyone can say that'll make you feel better. No. You know, you just kind of gotta wallow in it. You know, like there's there's it's not like there's some secret phrase that someone can say that'll fix it for you. And like people, people who mean so well say stuff like, well, you should still be proud of them. And there's always next year. We would never you do should that. Be, and you should be proud of them. But like, that doesn't, that doesn't make it better. That doesn't make it better. You the, know? Like the only things I would say, and again, not to try and sound patronizing. It's like the fact that Penrith was so like, you didn't believe me when I told you their completion rate was 97%. No, I, I, thought it, I thought, I thought it must've been an error. Like you, you play a team that drops the ball once in the whole game. They run for 2000 meters and had 50 play of the balls inside your 20 and you lost by, you lost due to yeah. the best comeback in a grand final ever. And you lost by two points. Like there's still so much to be proud of. Penrith had to be perfect to beat you. And, and they ended up being perfect and it didn't obviously it ended up being a two-point game, not the two-point margin that we would have expected to get to. Like this is not in no way did we think this game would end the way that it did. But at the same time, if you can find comfort in anything, it's the fact that Penrith had to be at their absolute best. And Nathan Cleary, one of the game's great players, had to play the best twenty minutes of his life to beat you. Yeah, Penrith. And it's only a small consolation, but yeah. Penrith gave him nothing, and Brisbane still nearly t- still should have taken it. You know, Brisbane still should have taken this game. They had enough. Had enough for it. Like, man, fuck me. What a game. Let's uh, let's talk more about like individuals. And, yep. uh, and let's let's start with Walsh because and because Walsh is Walsh, there's all there's always gonna be so so much chat about him. Um I've a lot of it has been super, super negative. And I think that's gonna become part of the Reese Walsh experience. I think he's getting to that clear zone where people are gonna start relishing his failures um mm. because he is so flashy and 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 so charismatic and to some people he's a mug lair you know love that say he's, he's so he's getting into that zone what did you think of Walsh's performance how do you think he went uh, I I thought that the stuff that happened at the start of that game was kind of the stuff we thought could happen where they just try to do a bit too much a bit too often he had those two different kicks that went dead like just I thought he was a bit overexcited to start with but then this is the resource exactly this is this is the resource experience you can't take you can't have the good without the bad. You've got to have, he's going to get a bit, he's going to overplay his hand sometimes. He's going to make some mistakes. And yeah, Pete, but we both agreed that Reese Walsh is the best player in the NRL this year. Well, well sorry, was over the course of this. We both agree that. Most people that we know that we talked about footy would agree that he was either the best or in the top three. He had more errors than anybody else in the competition by a lot. He had eight yeah. more than the guy in second, and third was his teammate Selwyn Cobo. So Cobo and Walsh are two of the like ten most exciting guys in the whole comp, and between them, they made almost a hundred errors this year. But it doesn't matter because those hundred errors, you take that trade off for the plays that those guys can create. And I think that when people, especially people that don't like Reese Walsh for a variety of reasons, you watch a grand final, 
and you see a couple of those negative plays rear their ugly head and you don't necessarily get the payoff on the other end. You do get it for the third man try, of course, and then that late line break as well. But when you only see like the worst aspects of a Reese Walsh game and not the best ones, it becomes very easy to be like, ah, you see, you can't play like that. You can't, you can't play like this in the national rugby league and still expect to win games. It's like, well, the guy had six tries this last week. The guy was the best player in the NRL this year. Like, I don't think he had a particularly good game, but people, like I was pretty shocked when I w- went online afterwards to debrief a little bit and people were acting like this guy had played like a certain former Rabbitoh in uh, State of Origin. Like uh, the, the negativity surrounding him was unbelievable because yeah. A, he still, he still set up the final Broncos try and, you know, if things go a little bit differently on that, on that late line break, they score. And also, unless they think Leary goes into God mode, they win the game anyway. And we're not talking about this. We're, we're sitting there saying, oh, geez, you know, Walsh had a good game. Not, not the best game, but, you know, was, was electric. We're still super fast. And I think back to when we were sitting in that press conference afterwards and the Panthers guys got asked this. And, and Cleary, Nathan Cleary chuckled. And Ivan Cleary said, well, we didn't contain it. Yeah, that was funny. So, so someone asked a good question. It was a, it was a fair question. It was Adam Pengilly from the Sydney Morning Herald. He's a really good journal, and he sort of said, "What was the plan to contain Reese Walsh? Because he didn't quite have the impact on this game that he's had in other games this year." And Ivan Cleary said, "We didn't really contain him. I was fucking terrified every yeah. time he touched the ball." <laughs> it was good. If you're if you're a Panthers fan or if you're just a, a footy fan who wants to learn a bit more about how the Panthers are approaching stuff. I'd encourage you to go watch that presser. It was was really good. Both the Clearies and Yol all spoke really well. Mm. Walsh, I think, struggled to get in the game in that first half. Um, and that wasn't, in hindsight, that's not surprising because that is as far from a half of, that's as, as far away from a game suiting him as possible. You know what I mean? Like it was not, his team was not, did not have any space. He did not have any time. They were under the pump, like it felt like for 38 minutes, you know? So it's not surprising that that first half, he just doesn't really get anything going. Um, second half, he got a, he got, he got a couple, he got a couple of things happening. Um, most notably with that break for the, for the man try and the other break just after that. Um, but again, it, it just seemed like the game never really came to him. And that, that was, that was surprising to me because for so much of this season and on really big stages, like in, in the two games he played for Queensland, it wasn't a matter of whether the game was going to come to him or not. He would just go out and, and grab it and control mm. it. And this was made, this is one of the very few times where he, he wasn't able, he wasn't able to do that. You know, and I've seen a couple of people saying, oh, but he's the worst defensive fullback in the league. He should have done better on those, on those tackles on Crichton and Cleary and all that. And it's like, well, I don't know, man. If you want a fullback, if you want to, if you, like, I think it's very rare that you pick a fullback for their defense. Correct. <laughs> so, and Dylan Edwards is a great. Like, the, there was a year when Roger Tuivasa-Shek. I don't think Roger Tuivasa-Shek made a tackle the year he won the Dalian. Yeah, he gave it up. He gave up, ta- <laughs> he gave up tackling for Lent, and he was Not like, for- this is "Great, I'm going." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I thought Walsh was okay, but not yeah, not to the level that we've that we've come to expect. Mm. Um, but honestly, dude, I could go through and just talk about every single player in this game and 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 how they and how they went. But let's do it. Number we, one, Dylan Edwards. <laughs> well, actually, I wanted to stick with the Broncos a little bit because I thought three of their back five were excellent. I thought Arthur yeah. Slag and Farnworth all had really strong games. I thought 
there were a couple of times where their, their attack was kind of going sideways, not much was happening. And then Ronald, Ronald's, Reynolds would drop Farnworth under and he mm. would just surge through and get 15 metres every run, it felt like. Just great. And Staggs came out for it so G'd up, was throwing himself around, playing with that real power and that real menace that he has on his absolute best days. Although I do think the longer the game went, the more Stephen Crichton got over the top of him. And I thought this was one of the best games of Crichton's. He was incredible. career. I thought he he was he was outstanding, not just with his try, but creating things down that down that edge. There was a I can't remember the exact sequence. I got to watch the game again, but there was a dropout that he forced with a really nicely. Oh, down on the on the wing, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it might it might have even been the set. Before. It was down in the corner in front of us in the last few minutes. Yeah, of the it game. might have even yeah, been yeah. the set before the. the, the I think it was. Try. I think and it he was. Just, he just showed beautiful touch on the ball in such a big big moment. Um, yeah, he Crichton was was outstanding. But bouncing back to the Broncos backline, Arthur's we talked about a little bit earlier, but just wow, where'd that come like, from? Remember, remember when remember when um, noted Jesse Arthur's hater Mitch Doyle said he's not a home run hitter, he gets on base. Yeah, well, he hit a couple. And then of triples. Arthur's hits a leadoff triple yeah. to start. Like, <laughs> yeah, he had a he had a he had a super game, a mm. super. Game. I love I love it when there's unheralded blokes who have like fucking belters in the grand. It's final. fantastic when you it know, happens. Really good stuff. It is interesting. Oh, but one more thing on Walsh, by the way, while you're talking, I pulled up the stats. So for, for a guy who they were acting like had a shocker, 10 tackle breaks, a try assist, two line breaks. It's like, yeah, like he didn't have the best game, but he still very much impacted it positively yeah. with ball in it. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 the criticisms I would have were Walsh and more, more smaller things. Like there was the bit where there was the, the bit in the second half where he gets a kick close to his own line. He goes across field to try and create. Oh, that was bad. Field. Yeah, loses a bit of ground, gets smacked up. I, I thought he got hit high, but they didn't call it. But whatever. And then he just sort of gets like they sort of sick him and just sort of drag him back. And anything. I was little things like that. There was a couple of errors. There was that, and that the, the one that when that happened in the first half, that was that that led to the second Reynolds dropout mistake, which cost them two points. Yeah, so, that's true. That's pretty right. important. Yeah. Two points. Yeah, <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? Uh, yeah, Farmworth's <laughs> going to be a loss, but like. God, what if you're a Dolphins fan, you're just delighted. He was absolutely fantastic. He was really, really strong. Yeah. Um, um Ezra Man, like we we were waxing lyrical about him before, but um he he proved a really great point that Mish talked about on the Broncos preview, where he said people were talking about the Broncos like Walsh was the only one who could hurt you from deep, but Mam's got those capabilities as well. And I'm sorry, Canberra fans. I don't think Ezra Man when he scored the third this. try, I turned to you and said, You're not getting Ezra Man. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he was he was he was he was he was he was super. He was terrific. Like just uh-uh. playing to his strengths in the in the best possible way. Um, I wrapped Jack Cogger. I'm get bouncing around all the teams. That's here, fine. We'll, we'll go with it. People like this stuff. It's yeah. fine. I wrapped Jack Cogger, but I I thought it was just such a smart performance from him to sort of just come on and straighten things up. And he's a much more orthodox player than Luai, who I thought was pretty quiet. Which is what was, the game called for when he was out there. And yeah, like they just needed someone who was gonna give their best and most creative players the best chance mm. to be their best and to be their most creative. And that's what he did for, for, for Cleary. Cleary said himself in the press. Yeah. He said it afterwards. He said, yeah, Cogs coming said, on really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. Cogger said, Cogger said to me, he said, all I wanted to do was get Nathan's running game going. Cause when that gets going, then everything else can happen. And that's exactly what happened. He created, like, Cleary created that first try at, se- at second receiver and watch how deep Cogger digs into the line, you know, yeah. watch how deep Cogger digs into the line. For the Crichton try as well, he creates the space for Cleary, he creates the space for Crichton. It was a 
a really, really professional performance for Cogger, who's a big, big success story for them. Fantastic. He's, the he's, someone, who, he's, he's someone who takes his footy extremely seriously and, and really, really prepares to the nth degree and, and really, really does everything he can to, to be at his best. It was, and he, on top of that, he's a great fella as well. So it was really good to see one of the game's nice guys get a big up like that. You talk about someone, I feel like I'm just yelling at you about stuff. No, that's fine. I, I, I like that. But um, yeah, Luai, Lu- 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 like, I've never been as big of a fan of Luai as you have. I think he's still a great player, but there are times, and it definitely happened in this game, where like I feel like their attack dies a bit when he just gets the ball and does all that sort of jumping and skipping around shit and everything yeah. kind of slows down around him. That wasn't what the game called for last night. They needed a guy like Jack Cogger out there just to be fast and be direct. And it, it worked. It, pay- it paid off in spades. I mean, when, when Luai goes off is when they score those points, and Cogger was just a big part of it, as you mentioned. And I don't think any of those guys had had a bad game. But I'll tell you, one guy had a really good game who we talked about a little bit, mainly in his abilities of fighting animals, but Moses Leota. Holy shit. Dude, he has got such an underrated grand final track record. How the fuck is he? He's, he is, it's dumb as shit to say, but the guy who is the starting prop in the best forward pack on the best team I've ever seen is somehow still underrated. Oh, God. He, like, imagine trying to tackle him. No. Can you imagine, like, when he really gets going like that? No, thank you, bro. No, thank I'll you. I'll take the, I'll fight the lion. Like, <laughs> but like he's, he's got a really underrated grand final track record 2020 the game was pretty much gone when he came on he was still a bench prop back then but he was awesome like he refused to go down without swinging 2021 he was try, i think he was try, he had like a calf injury or something so he's probably reducing his effectiveness a little bit but last year he played he did a similar thing in his first stint like he just came out like a man possessed like looking to just break shit you know and and he was another one. Like when when Cleary goes through, who's pushing up on the inside? It's that was incredible. It's, <laughs> it's Moses Leota. It's it's the big fella. And I noticed. Um, so normally front rowers only play two stints. Leota would play plays like generally like maybe the first twenty five, and then comes on and plays like maybe the last twenty five. But this time was different. This time they did a bit of the fooey fooey moy moy thing from the 09 Grand Final, mm. where he plays three stints. So he came back on in the second half, played about. 10 minutes came back off again and then came back on again. Like, cause I, and I think Ivan Cleary knew that he needed a bit of the juice from the, from the big man. And I thought he, I thought he, I thought he helped provide it. I thought he was awesome. Fisher Harris, again, just a tower of strength. Like he, like he always is. Um, but it would be remiss. It's been remiss of us to go this long in the podcast and not mention the name Payne Haas. A, a, a ridiculous player. Oh, just an absolute, oh another, another just, brutal performance in the middle of the field just in 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 a world full of giant men who crash into each other at high speeds how does he look so much more scary than the rest of them we just talked about Leota. i'd run at Leota twice before i ran at pain house once can i just see them run at each other yeah that's can, I, can I just can i just like forfeit and have them run at each other instead pull out a folding chair from bunnings and just sit there <laughs> throw, up the, throw up the thumbs up all right boys Go for it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a freak. He's a absolutely really good. match between Leota, Haas, and a lion. Yep. Oh, <laughs> that poor lion. But yeah, we were we were talking about when he if he'd play 80. I think he ended up playing 35 minutes in the first half. As, as Mitch kind of predicted, he went off just before halftime, comes back on and plays the last half hour of the game. And yeah, there's I've not seen a guy like him. I, I, I've just not seen a guy that just is so right. big and so athletic and just the, never in, shies in the, away. In the sweat box, in the heat, he just he just never stopped. He never stopped. And there were times in that first half when a good Haas carry was the only thing saving the Broncos from kicking on their own 30 meter line. Mm. You know? Like and he's always he's always great with the ball. We know we know how good he is. We know 
how how much sort of power he gives the middle of the middle field, but his passing was good. I thought his offloads were great. He's one of only two blokes on the Broncos who didn't miss a tackle. You know, and I know missed tackles can be a funny stat sometimes, but given some of the misses they did have late in the game, I think that's really impressive. The only other guy who didn't miss a tackle is another guy who was really good, Tom Flegler. And I actually thought that this is a good avenue to talk about a couple of, I think Brisbane pulled the wrong reins a couple of times with their subs. And I think one of them was, I I think they had to leave Flegler on for longer when he came back after the HIA, because I thought his athleticism and mobility and aggression was starting to give the Panthers a little bit of trouble. Mm. Um, but And he probably wasn't as effective when he came off and properly cooled down and then had to, to come back on again. Um, did very well to plunge over off that Tyson smoothie try. Um, I'm. St- are you? Do you, Do you think he got it down still? Because we we weren't really sure at the time. I still don't know, but I think after watching it again, I would more lean towards yes. Whereas at the ground, I was like, Nick, I don't think he scored. Yeah. But yeah. hey, Adam G was right there. He saw it, so whatever. I'm fine with it. Also, front row Friday. I pulled it back to six five. Uh, I will say between us, getting eleven out of like forty eight. It's not bad. It's, it's not pretty. Bad. If you're following the tips every week on our Instagram and just backing our two props to score, you made a lot of money. So yeah. you're welcome. Um, yeah, but and then um, if we go to the Brizzy back rowers, I you know Kurt Capewell did very well to help create that second tr- or one of the tries for Ezra. I, mean, I don't remember which one. It's all sort of running together for me a little bit. But um, his there were some defensive lapses that he made late that really cost them. You know that that miss on Cleary is is was was really really poor for a player of his experience. And I think it was just after that that Capewell stays on, but Ricky comes off and Piakura comes on on that right edge. And then eventually eventually Ricky comes on. But I, I wonder what would have happened if they'd gone the other way, if Piakura comes on on the left edge for Capewell and just sort of gives them a bit a, a fresher body sort of on that side. Because I think that was the side that Penrith were really sort of hammering in their yardage and they were really able to get up the field well by, by going after him. You know, um, Let's talk about Adam Reynolds. I'm really sad. I Look, I know I come in here and we joke, and I said to you during the game, flip the lever back to Ilias, like at one point when, when he went down with an injury. But I love Adam Reynolds. When he, went, always... when he, when he, when he got injured, you turned to me and you said, advantage Ilias. Uh, yeah, which oh, <laughs> I'm not going to come off well in this story. But, um, <laughs> no, but it, it, all jokes and stupid bullshit aside, I love Adam Reynolds. He's been like such a huge part of my footy watching career he's one of those guys that i saw play in the lower grades he was part of that south toyota cup team that was so good just before he came into first grade i was devastated when he left i was pulling my hair out every week this year uh what like thinking about how good this team could still be if he was there and then watching brisbane games the same weekend and realizing how good they were as a large part of that was because of the way he was playing and not only the way he was not only that they were winning, but the way he was playing with his freedom and creativity, which you touched on in the preview show, that he wasn't really being allowed to do at Souths a lot of the time in those in those later years. So it felt like felt like they'd got the best out of Adam Reynolds in a way that like had he stayed at Souths, we might not have seen from a creative standpoint. But regardless, whatever team he's on gets better. And it just sucks now that he has been on the wrong end of of two grand final losses in three years, two amazing games. And both of which one of the defining moments comes down to a lapse in concentration by him, which just really fucking sucks for he's every time I interview this, he's such a good dude too, man. He's such a nice guy. And I, 
just feels so shitty for him. He misses the kick in 2021, and I, I predicted on on the on the preview show that we did that he, he'd right those wrongs and that he'd have his big moment in this big game, and we could finally forget about that and start talking about this guy like the champion player and the champion bloke that he is. And instead, he gets beaten for the, for the winning try. Yeah. Like fuck me. Yeah, I I I thought he had a shocker, man. He was bad. I thought he had a shocker, you know. And to me, like obviously, like, he's not the reason Brisbane lost or anything like that. But it's just so. Easy to draw a line between, you know, the the the, the not great execution on the short dropouts. You know, essentially that cost them mm. what fourteen points because there's the Kenny tribe, there's the penalty goal, and then when he's out on the full again. Oh yeah, what what were those it. those last two where he does the like? He's you, you, he, for the sideline. I understand yeah. that, but he got it so wrong. And yeah. even the second yeah. one where I think it's is it Martin that catches it or someone who catches it, and it's like. That was going over the sideline on the full by 10 metres if that yeah. guy had reached above his head and yeah, caught it. Yeah, it just – things just weren't happening for him, you know. Yeah. And when he got banged up um, in that tackle by Scott Sorensen, I think that sort of maybe messed with his confidence a little bit. And it just it just seemed like all of the, the great composure that he's had for so long and the great organisation and leadership that he's given to this Brisbane side, it just didn't seem to be able to to come to the fore, you know. And he got beat, he got beat for that last – Cleary try. Um, that's not. It's it's wrong to put that try on one person um, because it's a couple of different things at play there. One Penrith sort of double up going on down that side twice, so they're making players who are fatigued as they possibly can be making consecutive decisions under pressure, which is essentially like that's how you break down a really good defense. Essentially, you watch it again. Ricky, Ricky's Jordan, Ricky's at marker. And he sort of goes to break to the open side. I don't know if he thinks Kenny's going that way or if Kenny just fools him. Mm. But Ricky think Ricky thinks he's going. He only goes over by about a step, but a step ends up being a big difference. And Once then, you're off balance, going the wrong way, it's over. Kenny, Kenny goes blind to Cleary and he beats Reynolds and then Walters. And Ricky, who has over overcompensated and overchased. Yep is now all the way on the like the other side of where Cleary is and is now reaching back in the direction he just came in. You never want to be you, know I mean? you never just, want to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just one of those things. But I thought, yeah, I thought Reynolds Yeah. If they got a standard Adam Reynolds game, I think they I think they hold on. And and when they do sort of go away from that dazzling attacking footy, when they do sort of lose the killer instinct a little bit, I I, I don't like seeing them play that way, but you, you would think that if they do play that way, that Reynolds is the man to steer you home yeah. because because he's done that a, a thousand times over the last 11 years. How many times have we seen him with his team up, kick kick him to victory, you know? And it just, for whatever reason, he just couldn't, he just couldn't make it happen, you know? And them's the breaks, man. Like it's, it, it's, it, it's, it, a, it's, it, a, it's a cruel, it's a cruel sport sometimes. It, it just absolutely sucks. It, it really sucks for him. Like, and and to now just go through this pain again two years later and if I guess that's this is like this is it I guess the, the overarching lesson is that fairy tales are not real feel good stories can happen but you shouldn't take them for granted because a lot of the time well I'm not gonna say the bad guys because I still quite like Penrith but you know the bad guys win a lot of the time and now he's 33 he'll be 34 before the end of next season with all those miles on the yeah. tank, all those nicks, all every, those every 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 chance for him can be the last. Exactly, and every, it's, every it's, chance can be the last. You it's know? tough. You don't want to talk about windows, and I think as long as Reese Walsh and Ezra Mamma there and Payne Haas, it doesn't like this. This is this is a Broncos team that is red hot and will be back again. But by that same token, Bert Farnworth, Tom Flegler, both big losses, and Adam Reynolds. You know, he's going to be a year older and a step slower next year. It's like 
with that lead and those guys leaving and, and and all that stuff, it just feels like this is a gigantic missed opportunity and a real sliding doors moment for the for, for the Broncos as a whole. And I I, I just it sucks for their fans. It yeah. really does. Obviously, I'm delighted for our friends that that what that listen to the show and and are Penrith fans. Obviously, so stoked for them. Privileged to have been there watching this live. Was really happy after the game to like see those celebrations in the sheds, all that crap. But on the flip side, I just feel so shitty for, yeah. for, for Brisbane, their players, their fans, the people that listen to the show, everyone. Yeah. It just a, a, good, a good example of something I'm talking about with Reynolds is in the aftermath of that Walsh break where we think he's going to find Mam and, and set it up. I'm again, I, I, you're testing my memory on this. I haven't had a chance to watch the game back again, but I'm pretty sure that's the same set where they finish with Reynolds just hitting Peter Cora short at the line and handing it over and not even, right. getting, not even getting a kick in. And it's like Reynolds knows more about game management than I will could ever possibly hope to understand, right? And decisions under fatigue are really difficult, but you would think a guy whose kicking game is such a strength would want to lean on that strength in a in a moment like that, you know? So just, just tiny little lapses of judgment like that are a... Or a tough one. Let's go. Give me, give me your three, two, one for both sides. So three for Penrith. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Three, two, one for, for Penrith. Yeah. And then we'll talk a little bit more about like our experience at the game because it it really was a game that was an experience. The mm. the Broncos fans showed up and it was wonderful, a wonderful day. So Brisbane, I'd probably go three, ma'am. Yep. Two Haas ahead yep. of Herbie or Arthur's or Flegler for that one. I'll go Herbie. But one of those three. Yeah. Or Stags I, I, as well, actually. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I think I'm going Ma'am, Haas, and then probably Farnworth, even though Farnworth had the yeah. had the tap back that was pretty bad. Um, um Pat Carrigan toiled really hard, but just didn't seem to be one of his and heartbreaking. He has that late he has that late error as well. Felt so bad for him. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough Pen- ones, Penrith, but... great performance, but I think I, I had a pretty clear cut three, two, one here. Yeah, and that is Nathan three, Leota two, Critter one. Yeah, we've probably got to talk more a little bit more about Critter. I thought this was one. I did, for someone who's been a great performer in grand finals, um, four in a row with a try, and unbelievably has done it in. I think it's three different positions. He played left center twice. He played right center once, and he played right wing once. So he's he's done it every which way you can. But yeah, um, just showed so much attacking class in under under the harshest possible scrutiny. Just absolutely terrific. Um people people go, oh, they're gonna really miss him this year and they will, but I'm not falling into this trap again. We've had three years now of us like incredibly talented Panthers leaving and them and us going, oh, it'll be tough for them to do it without yeah. this guy and this guy. I'm not doing that. Stephen Crichton is an incredible footballer and the Bulldogs are getting a fantastic player, but I don't care. I don't care. Like, I'll Lindsay, never ever write these guys off again. Lindsay, Lindsay Smith's gonna be in the centers next year and kill it somehow. Is that, that, yeah, it's <laughs> like yeah, there's no no doubt in my mind that they'll fix that. But yeah, he was absolutely incredible. Like you talk about big game players this guy's a big game player i understand that that is a bit of a trope and that sometimes we 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 lean on it a bit too hard but there are guys who are made for the big moments there are guys who shy away and get a little bit reserved in those big games they don't take the risks that they normally would they don't make the plays they normally would Crichton's the Crichton is not one of those people he does yeah. not give a shit Maybe he, when the when the game's on the line he wants the ball yep and you can't ask you can't ask more you can't ask more for a player than that do um, I do I think he's going to be a success at fullback? I have no idea, but they're getting a hell of a player. And if it doesn't work out, just put him in the centers and you'll have one of the best centers in the game. So happy days. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't like ref chat. 
Mm. Don't like ref chat, but I think we got to have a little bit of ref chat because there's been some ref chat. Well, there's been a lot of ref chat. There's been a lot of, oh, it was the best refereed game since Bill Harrigan. It was like, what are you talking about? I don't know why people seem to think if there's no penalties, it's a good game. Yeah, I I thought Penrith did a masterful job of slowing the ruck down and testing Adam Oh, yeah. they Mate, I'll tell you, I I think Penrith were always going to come out and wrestle in the ruck as much as they could. Like James Fisher-Harris said in the lead up to the game, you could get away with more things in a grand final and we're going to try and do it. Like they told him. Respect the honesty. It, you got to respect right? it. And that's that's not me saying that that Brisbane got gypped or anything like that. I'm not ref faulting or, or no, of course like not at all. Like testing but that stuff referee, is true. Testing the referee and establishing control in the ruck is a to me a totally legitimate tactic. And if you can get away with it, you should 100 try and do it. And Penrith did get away with it. And the ruck in that first half was so so slow. I think they sort of dared G to turn it into a penalty fest. I think they mm. betted that he wouldn't do it. And it was a bet that ended up that, that they ended up winning, you know, and it was only when G was willing to penalize him just a little bit in that second half that they were like, okay, now we got to quicken it up. And then that sort of played a lot more into Brisbane's well, favor. But I, I pushed back on the narrative that like, oh, he let the game flow, you know? So he refereed it. Great. It's like, he might've let the game flow, but he also got duped by the Panthers. They, 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 they worked him, and they got the exact sort of game that they wanted for very long stretches of it because he wasn't willing to to ping him for it. You know, completely and again, agree. Again, that's just that's just no. It's I, a legitimate tactic. Play. I'm not I'm they, not hating on it they, at all. They, that, that's you can do that in big games. You can get you can get away with more. Fisher Harris said, and the Panthers did get away with more. And if you can get away with it. Like do it like Viva La Razza, bro. I go for the Raiders. They cheat all the time. It's great. Just like just get just get away with it, man. Cheating is the gift man gives himself. Exactly. Like so why not do it? Hundred percent. My favorite wrestler of all times, Edge. He cheated like every match. He loved yeah. cheating. It was the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm the same. At like I went on like some Reddit threads and some Twitter things and stuff, and it's just like, God, I wanted to throw up. People are acting like Adam G and just like had <laughs> had won the grand final. Like oh, what a tremendous performance. Oh the best refereed game since Bill Harrigan, all the stuff, as I just said. And it's like, well, no, he just put the whistle away. Yeah. And it just, just say you hate penalties. Like yeah. that's all you have to say. And that's fine. A lot of people hate penalties. They'd rather just go out there and watch a game where players can do whatever the fuck they want. And, and, and we not have the game stop for any reason. And that's totally okay. But I, I do think that Penrith pushed, pushed the envelope as much as they could and credit to them. They got away with it. Yep. And they it, won the game. Test, test, test. It's a, it's a tactic as old as time. Test the referee, see what you can get away with, and get away with it. Yeah, it was, it was five penalties total. I think two of them were for incorrect dropouts, right? So three yeah. actual penalties in the whole game, which yeah. I'm sorry. No NRL team is giving away. <laughs> no combined set of 26 players is giving away three penalties in an entire game at rugby league. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, but yeah, we talked about it a little bit before, but the, the game day experience was was wonderful. And big part of, of that was the Brisbane fans. There were so, so many of them. It was Ridiculous like 70, amount. 70, 30 split. We were uh, you said that to me in the game, and I agree. I, it was funny, like obviously getting the train in from my area, like got, got on the train at Mascot, went to the gym in the morning, and I saw about 10 Bronx jerseys around Mascot and, and no Panthers once, which I guess is fair enough because you'd have some Bronx fans coming in from, from Brisbane. I live near the airport. There wouldn't be a whole lot of Penrith fans in South Sydney. Why would there be? So that was fine. Same thing, get on the train, Go to Central to get on the 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 sprint train that goes to Olympic Park. Again, same deal. Like almost every carriage, a sea of maroon and a couple of like Titans jerseys for the women's game. And again, fair enough. You're in the city. Why would there be Penrith fans there? 
but I wasn't expecting that to carry over when I got to the actual game itself. And it, and as you said, yeah, 70-30 split, I reckon there's a shitload of Broncos fans there. Um, good on them. Good on them for really making it, as I said, you know, 40 minutes ago when we started this, like the best atmosphere I think I've been to at a game since that Uruguay-Australia World Cup qualifier in 2005, which remains the best crowd I've ever been a part of in, in this country. And that tonight was the best rugby league crowd I've ever been a part of. And those fans just are a big brilliant. reason why. Just just brilliant. It, it, it felt it felt like Origin Games do. Mm. You know, it felt like Suncorp does. Um, and there's just an absolute vibe around the whole stadium all day, you know. And I think you only really get that when it's when it's out-of-town clubs, when so many people – sorry, out-of-Sydney clubs, when it's so many people who are making – making the trip down and it's, and it's a big, big deal for him. You know, it's not yeah. just going across the city. It's not just catching a train up from Para. It's yeah, lying down from Brizzy. We're making a weekend of this. If you could, if you, yeah. And here we go. Like I was thinking about that. I was trying to think of like the, the, the two fan bases that you could get to provide the best energy. I, I, I think I said it on Bronx V nights with just the, the, the buses coming down from the Hunter and the planes coming down from Brisbane and just a bunch think, of fan base. I think, I think, I think Warriors, Warriors got Warriors a great, way. great shout as well. Um, of course. And I, I think after after 19, how good the Atmos was then, I think Raiders maybe two. Mm. But Raiders, Raiders only every few years, I think. Just, just one as a treat. <laughs> we can have one grand final appearance. As yeah. A but um, yeah, th- those fans brought the end. The Penrith fans are great too. Like all the fans are great. I think it's. Um, it was fun playing jersey spotting, seeing all the weird jerseys people had, all, all the fun jerseys. Had. I, I mentioned this to you, and if someone who's listening can help me out with this, so I, I went to see my mate Briggsy before before kickoff. Big Broncos fan was was shitting bricks, and we were doing that thing because we always go to. He's one of the guys that comes to watch the Super Bowl with us every year, and I, we we do the thing where we try to spot every thirty two NFL jerseys on the day of the Super Bowl, and we go to pubs and stuff. It's a fun game. Obviously, I thought I'd tick off all 17 of the NRL teams, but at one point, I'm like, oh yeah, finally a Dragons jersey, and I saw the guy wearing that Iron Man Dragons jersey. That, that people remember. But then as he got close to me, I realized it was a Broncos jersey. I have no recollection of the Broncos having an Ironman jersey at all. But apparently, and neither did Briggsy, a Broncos fan, had no recollection of this happening. We both were like, oh, it's a Dragons jersey. And then it wasn't. So if anyone knows when Brisbane had an Ironman jersey, please tell me, because I just did not realize this ever happened. Um, do you want me to solve this mystery for you? I didn't want to Google it. That's no fun. But well, they uh, had yes. it in 2017 when they played the Raiders, when the Raiders wore their Iron Fist jersey. Yeah, you said that to me yesterday. I was like, who the fuck is Iron Fist? There are too many Marvel shows. Please eliminate 100. <laughs> but yeah, atmosphere, fantastic. Vibes, fantastic. Um, a, a great a, a great experience from start to it's, finish. It's, it's, I, it's one of my favorite grand final days ever. Um. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the, the vibe, the vibe around the ground was so good because of all the Brisbane fans. The game, of course, was 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 just incredible. Um, they, they it was a bit different in the sheds this year. I think they they let they sort of threw the doors open a little bit earlier, which meant we got to be in there for the for the club song um, or for the for the team song that was. So that was really really special. Ivan mm-hmm. Cleary gave a great speech to to the whole to the whole Penrith crew. Um, there was, you know, there was beer and KFC for all, which was a Great. Big, was a big thrill. And there was this other thing I forgot to tell you about this. So the way it works is they set up a podium in the corner of the room and they bring in the trophy and they sit it on the podium so people can come up and take it. Oh, this was cool. Yeah. And a mate of mine who works for Penrith brought it in and he was going to lift it up onto the thing and he was sort of struggling for a little bit. So I came over and I was like, mate, you need a hand with that? So we ho- like I hoisted Nick up the Campton, premiership winner. And I like I don't know I, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought yeah I'll help him out. But then I hoisted up and was like, oh this is actually this is actually really cool. That's it. yeah. It was <laughs> it a great. Was, it was just it was a great experience being super, in there. It was super dope, man. Having a couple of beers, eating some cold KFC chips, 
um, talking to some of the players. I, I will mention this quickly. I, I, because people remember Nathan Cleary put that hype video on his Instagram at the, after the second bit with all those screenshotted tweets of people bagging them and saying they couldn't go back to back. I asked him, are you going to go and search your own name on Twitter when you get home just to, because of the first hour where you admit you didn't play role? And he said, yeah, there could be another video. So stay tuned. Dudes rock. I'm that. What, what a great night. <laughs> Do you think Scott Sorensen found his keys? Hope so, man. Poor Hope Scott. So. We, went, we went back up, we went back up, up to the outside the media box to sit down and take it all in as they were taking the post down and stuff. And then suddenly it's me, Campo, a couple other dudes are just sitting up there, just, just chilling for a bit. Just and having, suddenly, a beer, having, having a beer and saying things like we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Did it. And, <laughs> and me saying the season's not over till they take the post down. Yeah. Um, and then in still in full kit, Scott Sorensen just starts, just cuts, comes up, comes up the stairs and starts like meticulously filing between every row of seats. And eventually after about three minutes, we were like, we got to go help Scott Sorensen. So we walked down there like, Scott, what are you doing? He's like, oh, yeah, I lost my keys. I'm like, oh. There you go. He, so not, not everything. Not everything worked out for Penrith. And he gave, he gave up. Yeah. So someone's got Scott Sorensen's keys and it's not him. I don't think he cares right now. I think no. he's probably... He's well, because we were power. worried that he'd lost his ring. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, I'd much rather lose my house keys than a premiership ring. Yeah. That's, that's a very easy decision. Just live at the league club for a couple of months, Scott. It'll be fine. Exactly. Um, but yeah, what, what, what a great day. Um Anything else you'd like to say about the men's game before we move on? Uh, I think Penrith are the best team ever. Oh, yeah. Just on that. Uh, I am now at the point where if someone tweets me and tells me that Parramatta in the 80s were better, I'm just going to block you. I don't want to hear it anymore. I think, that, yeah, I think they're the best team ever. And um, to, to to make a slightly serious point based on that, uh, um, so people can go, oh, well, yes, the Dragons team, which you you I think your workaround of saying it's a different sport is a great is a great solution to that one. But people talk about Paramount in the eighties and all this stuff, and I'm like, mate, like, sport as a concept now is just not the same thing as it was in any era before everything became ultra professionalized and ultra streamlined. And in the NRL, you've got every team spending millions of dollars on on analytics, on coaching, on nutrition, on conditioning, on all this stuff, trying to squeeze every advantage out of every possible avenue that they can. They're all doing this. They're all doing this. On top of that, there's a salary cap that's supposed to keep the teams even and fair, and we're supposed to have parity and all this stuff. And despite every check and balance being in place to try and have it so that the competition is even and that we get different winners every year, this team lost a grand final in 2020 and has won three since then. That's not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to be able to happen. And it's a lot different, in my opinion, to, well, Parramatta were the best team in the 80s because all the best players played for Parramatta. Yeah, I just think it's exactly, completely different. Exactly. Like they're, 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 defying, they're defying decades worth of measures put in place to prevent something like this. Mm. That I think I said the other week, they're bending the fabric of rugby league to their will. And yeah. I think about all the great teams that I've seen, and I've been watching footy for long enough now that I've seen a lot of great teams. You know, the Broncos teams of, of the late '90s and early 2000s. You know, the the Roosters teams are slightly after that. The great Storm sides that were over the cap, the great Manly sides that were able to to beat them. You know, the the terrific Roosters sides that Trent Robinson's had over years. The rebuilt Storm a little bit after that. None of them won three in a row. You know, when the Roosters won two in a row in 2018, 19, that felt like they'd climbed Everest. Mm. And it took sort of every single little bit of experience and guile and skill and, and desire that they had. It took everything for them to win two. And these crazy, these crazy fucking bastards out of Penrith have just won three. Like, and let's not let's let's not forget, by the way, with that, mate. Like people when I tweeted this last year saying Penrith was the best team I've ever seen, and I meant it last year, and it's just been solidified this year. People said 
people talked about that Roosters team. And it was like, yes, they, they did win two grand finals. But in those seasons that they had, they lost, they lost like, they didn't finish first one year. They lost 15 regular season games over those two seasons when they went back to back comps. They were in no way as dominant on a week to week basis as this Penrith team was. Yeah. Not even close. Like, yes, they were great at the pointy end. And that's, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but it wasn't like this. It was nothing close to this. There was a moment um, pretty early in the first half where Brisbane made an error on about their own 40. And Penrith, like, went up like they just won the game. And they cut to Spencer Lenu on the sidelines just, like, screaming. Mm. Like, he hasn't even come on the field yet. Like, it's just – and you turn to me and you go, mate, how are they up for everything every time, you know? And that's right. How are they up for every game? They're up for every game. They're up for every contest, you know? They're up for – they're up for – they're always, always, always up for the fight, you know? And I've never seen – I've never seen a team like that. Those great Roosters – that great Roosters team that went back-to-back, they were great at timing their run. That was that was the reason they were able to win those two mm. premierships. They were able to know when it was time to ramp things up and it was time to begin – it was time to finish the journey in being great. For Penrith, there is no journey. You know, it's a it's a perpetual thing. The circle has no ending. Mm. You know, they, they are just they, – they, it's such a cliche to say they try and be great every day, but they do. And somehow they do it. And somehow things don't get stale and they don't get sick of winning and they don't get sick of the hard work. And I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, is worth, <laughs> it's worth, it's worth more than every pokey in it, pokey machine in Penrith leagues, league, in Penrith leagues club. We, and that's a lot. <laughs> we asked Jerome Luai about this afterwards. We said, I said that, I said that I mate, how the fuck do you just redline every week for four years? And he just said, that's what winners do. And who am I to argue with him? A winner. <laughs> By the way, I just looked up. So, Roosters 2018-19 lost 15 regular season games. Penrith from 2020 to present. So four seasons, twice as many, have lost 14 regular season games. So they've lost less games in four years than the Roosters did in two. And people wanted to tell me that the Roosters team was better. So I can come back to me, please. Yeah, I'm running out of things to say about it. It's like just, how, it's, it's... How, many, how many different variations on their, on, their, how, on they're so fucking good, can you say? You know, mm. like... Yeah, what, what a great game though. What a great day. Um, big, um, big, like we'll talk about the other two games in a second. Mm. One, a favorite, uh, one of my, my favorite little moments of the day. I always loved the retiring players parade. Um, and there was a lot of blokes in, in it that in it this year who have probably been retired for like a while. You know, I think they sort of struggled to get the numbers up, but they introduced Jared Croker last and he got a, a really, really great reception. Looking great in that suit, by the way. Yeah, I was, I was. And you could see how he was emotional on stage and you could see, I think you could see it meant a lot to him. And I just thought that was a, a really nice moment that really meant a lot to really meant a lot to me. And I think it meant a lot to him as well. So that was, that was really cool. I really dug that. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, But they're not the, they're not the only dynasty, Nick. They're not the only, they're not the only team to go and retain the premiership because the Newcastle Knights in a, in a game that was very similar in a lot of ways, the Red this Hot was, Favorites. This was another banger. This was this was a beauty. We were very lucky. I mean, not reserve grade Super Bowl aside, who cares? The other two games were bloody fantastic. And again, this was another game where the the plucky underdogs got on top, and it took it took the game's best player to just take over and win them the game in, in the same way that Nathan Cleary did. Tamika Upton is an absolute freak, and yeah, uh, was that two Dalliams and two. Has she won two Dalliams now? And no, two clutch oh, Karen Murphy, sorry. Karen Murphy medal, Dalliam. Karen Murphy medal. Second again. Karen Murphy medal. 
Yeah, uh, a ridiculous by Karen player. Murphy yourself. By the respect, I oh, wanted it. Karen Murphy. I wanted it, but yeah, people aren't aware. The player who killed her. Oh, yes, break your heart. But that the man, the tight, the Titans really, really showed up to play. I thought they they really ambushed the Knights, um, and it was pretty clear from the jump that the Knights had beautiful attacking footy in them. But minute to minute, the Titans were able to make more metres and they were probably a little bit more up for the contest physically. I thought there were a couple of big-name Knights players who sort of had like a, a, a bit of a tough arvo out there and a tremendous team effort from the Titans sort of had them on top. I thought they were, I thought they were going to win too. I thought they were going to handle it. And it was – and Upton was the one that said no. And this – like we this was – while Cleary's thing was sort of an individual effort that was aided and abetted by several key teammates – Upton to me, Upton's was very much was a lot more, you know. Follow me, girls. Here we go. Like I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go win you this grand final because I'm Tamika Upton and I'm the fucking. What player. about one of our night supporting mates was like, if we didn't have Upton, we wouldn't have made the finals. <laughs> Instead, they back might, to they the might not be wrong. They might not be wrong, honestly. And like, so they scored what the five tries. Upton scored or assisted four of them. Mm. You know, like, and and I, I said on the preview that this year she's become much more capable as a playmaker, and that's a mark of a truly great player because she was already really good, and she just added something just because that's what players do. That's what great players do. They always improve. And if she hadn't done that, if she wasn't built that way, then the Knights lose this game because just her running wasn't going to be enough. You know, she threaded the needle on that first try to, to Jasmine Strange. You know, she threw another really good pass to... Ah, uh, the center on the other side. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but she threw that really great flick pass to the to the winger as well. Is it Parker or is it Gallagher? No, Gallagher's the winger. It's Parker. Parker's Parker. the center. Sorry. sorry, my bad. Yeah, sorry. Apologies right, to mate. Denise Parker. But like, so she did that, and then she scored the scored the try, which is she just sort of hits a gap off Southwell, and then the winning try that she scores, the one where she puts the little kick in and, and gets Raiders esque. It was a little bit, but they were set up for the field goal. Right, they were set up for the field goal. They were they were ready to go. And conventional wisdom says yes, kick the field goal. That's 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 how you do it. That's the smart rugby league play mm. in that scenario. But when you're a great player, not just a good player, when you're a truly great player, you can break the rules. And you break the rules because the rules don't apply apply to you because you make you make your own rules. You you, you create your own reality. Through, through your ability, and that's what she did. Georgia Roach was in position for the field goal. Mm. Look on the wide angle. When they go the other way, Roach, like, throws her hands in the air, like, what are you doing? And when Upton went to kick it, I was thinking, what are you doing? Like, But it, for the great players, it works. And it well, works mate, it's her, you know? Sh- shades of 97. Conventional wisdom says field goal, and the best player says, no, I'm going short down the right. See yeah. what happens. And I, th- I thought Tamika Upton was the best player in that game easily the next four of the best players on the field might have been titans georgia hale uh an absolute weapon yeah 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 she was great at the back of the scrum got through so Polite much as well again. i thought was fantastic avania polite really busy as well jamie chapman near the line just Beast. forget about how did it. we have losing hat tricks in both grand finals um i thought lauren brown had a blinder at halfback and i i think she's one of the more improved players in the competition this year which says a lot because she was already playing for Queensland and Australia. Um, there were just a, a, the, the Titans just lacked a little bit of composure at, at, at key points. I thought their five eight, Shante Kiro Rauta, Rauta, sorry, had a had a had a hard one out there. You know, she failed to get a kick away right on halfway um, mm. when the scores were level. That 
And then the next set is when Upton. Their forward pack was so good. Man. Their forward pack was great. Shannon Marto was 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 terrific. Backed yeah. up a great season with a great game on the biggest day. But then after they got the short kickoff back and they sort of run one last play down their right side and um, they had him stripped for numbers. But Kirill Ratu went short to not show the event Zara Canfield. But if she'd gone out the back, there was space, and I think they could have, they could have scored. Um, but a great, a great, great effort from the Titans. Um, thought they did, they did themselves really proud on their first ever grand final day. Mm. But bloody hell, man! Like some, there's some, there's some, there's some, there's some, there's some birds you can't contain, some birds you can't cage, you know. And Upton's one of them. Shout yeah. out to Caitlin Johnson. Holy hell, just lives yeah. to break things. Awesome. Love that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're such a great team. It's remarkable. They lose, in many people's opinions, the best prop in the game. Lost 10 players altogether. The arch rival, on top of losing all those other players as yeah, well. They lost, and... they, lost, they lost Millie Boyle, right? They lost Romy Tyson, who plays for Queensland. They lost uh, Kira Dib, who's like, you know, perennially perennially on the rep scene. And they just keep going with it. It's reloaded, you know. Just so, so impressive. Ron Griffiths has done such a great job up there. Yeah, he really has. Oh, Great game, really. Like we we were we were very blessed because I thought that you know the prelims were bad. Um, I mean the the second prelim in the women like the sorry the men's prelims were bad. The second prelim in the in the women's game was okay. That Roosters uh, and I understand that the Knights had to hold off Brisbane last week, but we haven't really had a great finals game in a few weeks. So it was just it was just nice to get two absolute bangers back to back. Was really really good stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah, haven't really been a great finals game in the women's game. A couple of them. I mean, it was very processional for the Knights last year in the final against Paris. So, yeah, great, fantastic game. So, I, I thought from a standard of play perspective, this was this was the best grand final in NRLW history. There was the standalone one between the Roosters and the Dragons, and that was really good because it was close. But in terms of standard of play, this was much higher. I thought it's remarkable how quickly it, it, how much better it's gotten since season one. Like, it really, just it's on a, almost night and day. Yeah, which is fucking great. But so I, I don't just keep it at ten teams for maybe one more year at least. Give at it least. A, give it a bit of time. Let it, a let, thing. Let, don't, don't let it let don't, it cook a little bit too far with it. But if you keep the roosters out and give the license to Souths, I'd be okay with it. Um, Speaking of the grand old club, the grandest, the oldest, what a, the clubbest, the clubbest. Um, the boys, Tyrone Munro, the only man to score a hat trick, only person to score a hat trick today and win. That's how you do it. Really makes you think. It really does make you think. He's going to score so many NRL tries. He is. A he's, 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 he's going to be. He's going to be a hell of a footballer. Are we allowed to have two good wingers? Is that allowed? That's well, never I been allowed. We're about, we're about to find out. I thought uh, him and Talis Duncan are just. Oh my fucking god! Be, they are both going to be. You said it on the preview. Football, you said when you were running through the South guys. I, I stuck in my head last week when you said Talis Duncan, who we will not see again at this level for a very long time. And yeah. you're right. We won't. Um, Shaq Mitchell was fantastic. Footy Dean, pretty good. Blake Taff, I think, ended up getting the man of the match, but I think Shaq, Shaq probably could have got it. No, but... Tyrone Munro got it. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Oh, a winger getting man of the match. We did it, boys. We did it. Let's go. I thought Taff got it for some reason. Oh, did he get it last no, week? He got it in the grand final. Okay. 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 Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, uh, an absolute glut of Premier, uh, Premier League, of, of NRL experience in this South team. One way traffic. But the only real moment of intrigue was us yelling, give it to Buddy Gordon in those final couple of minutes. Get him over the stripe. It earned a disapproving look from George Clark, who said, this is a press box, not a playground. Yeah. And you know what, George? Why don't you grow up? Yeah. You know what, George? The press box is my playground, son. That's right. And you're the... Yeah, you're look, the... Like, I, for a while there, this looked like... So South started pretty slow, which is to be expected of a team that was probably very hungover. Um, but as the heat sort of really hit the ground... 
you know, Souths have a lot more full-time players and that fitness really shone through. And for a while there, I thought East Tigers were going to get, get going to end up conceding like 60 points or something, but they got their act together and they finished pretty strong. Um, mm. And I think they got two tries in the last couple of minutes to make the scoreboard a little bit more respectable. Um, I still don't, I don't know why we played this game. I don't think either team takes it. Well, I'm literally seriously. a Souths fan and I didn't care. <laughs> um, but, you know, you got three games of footy is better than two. So and I like having it on because it's a game where I can just sort of like wander around the ground and hang which, out. And which is what we did. It's great. Have a bit of, have a bit, have a bit of fun with it. You know, um, it was also 7,000 degrees when this game was on. Yeah. It was a bit warm. I hope we don't lose Jackson Ram. He was very good in this game. Or is that already, heading it's, to it's already happened? Yeah, I thought it was Newcastle. I think that I, I, oh, I can't remember, but there's definitely some talk that he was yeah, he's, uh, on the way out. Well, that's a shame. Cause I thought he was very, very good in this game, mm. but uh, oh, well, you can't keep them all. Nick, you cannot keep them all. Can't you? No. As oh. I, if you could, we'd never get another quote from Penrith CEO Brian Fletcher again. <laughs> and I love those quotes. We haven't had a quote from him yet. I'm waiting. How many days till he says it's not fair that we can't keep Stephen Crichton? <laughs> I don't know, mate. They just want the comp. They can say it's whatever. Yes, yeah, say whatever you want. Win- winners win. Uh, what a great day we had. What a great day. I think you said afterwards when we were sitting there, this is what it's all about. Imagine getting a real job. Wouldn't be me. Could not be me. Um, and you know, Nick's a different story, but I wouldn't have been there. I mean, if I'd if I'd stayed doing what I was doing last year, I would have been you know stuck probably stuck in an off in the office last night and not being at the ground and not being in the sheds and not talking to the players after the game and not hanging out with my mates like you and other people and living the dream as we do. So that wouldn't be possible without people listening to the show. So thank you so much for another fantastic season. Um, yeah, it was, you know, we, we, was big change with Campo coming in for Mitch, but I think it's been, I think it's been a seamless transition. I think we've, everyone's been a real fan of the, of the, of the stuff that we've done this year. And we got a lot of very, very positive feedback about the daily shows this week. So I had a great time. I don't know about you. Yeah, I did. I did too, guys. I'd really like to thank everyone who stuck around when I, when I did, take over for Mitch because um, that was sort of one era of the show ending. And I would totally understand if people wanted to drift away because that dynamic between Mitch and, and Bungard was, was to me a big rep part of the reason why the show worked. Um, so if you guys stuck around and kept listening, then I really, really appreciate that. And it's been a whole lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Um, we'll keep going through the off season, but shows mm-hmm. will obviously become a bit more intermittent um and a bit more abstract not, we're taking yeah, footy to yeah, strange little, new places yeah a little little bit more abstract. we've got the international stuff to come up to in the next couple of weeks yeah it'll, like it'll still always be be footy first but just when there's less footy around you know we'll, we'll find other ways to to pass the time um we'll have the question show again on wednesday as usual but that might be the last you hear from us for probably just a week or two um and then we'll be back and doing it all again but um yeah, if it wasn't for you guys listening, this would just be two idiots talking into microphones. So yeah. you got you you got you guys are what make what make it happen, you know. So I really really appreciate every everybody who listens. Yep, me too. Thank but you I, as well. But I especially appreciate <laughs> Dave, Rocky and Rapi, Stu, Broncos legend Adam Reynolds. Oh, that's not age twelve. Oh, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, C one C one two C one four C one five Walk of Shame Super Team, Chewbacca, Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullen. 
do it for Scott Minto. There'll be no Scott Minto. I'll tell the children. Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, formerly of the lower tiers, future Clive Churchill medalist, Billy Wall. These have not aged well. I also <laughs> went to school with with Bungard. I, Matt Bungard, could not be happier for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I've got a blank space in my fantasy team and I'll write your name. Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brown, kicks us out of the comp. Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan. Lou, I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. Taylor, make you understand. <laughs> gonna good. riff you up. Never gonna lend you down. Luke Charles Smith bought Mads, Taylor's version. Man, Haas, Toto, drink water. Matthew Duggan, Michael, sitting around and naming Patreon names. The finest thing a person do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the whole world. Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Matt Bungard and I love Travis Kelsey's girlfriend. <laughs> my ding, ding, dong is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy. Nobody believed the Panthers could win three in a row. <laughs> At McManus, Reese Brown, Roxanne Clark. See you in Vegas. Six more songs. Six more songs. Ty, thank you too. Chris Adnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi Stew. The Black Vegetable. The outro music is a vibe on 1.7 times speed. These white slippers are albino, African endangered rhino. Thor, Tom Hardy, wake me up when the off-season ends. Wayne Schloss was and Westlife's podcast end the Fasco. Fiasco, thank you so much for your support. Everyone at the and everyone who's listened, thank you as well. I had, at, I had at least a dozen people message me the words Wayne Schloss. Yesterday. Oh, God. What a moment. Unbelievable. If you didn't listen to the Slayer Brand Grand Final, I, 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 that, my, that moment, I don't want to spoil anything beyond that, but it's the funniest thing in podcast history, probably. Was- Look, all I'll say is it set the tone for, for Grand Final uh, mm. for grand final quality over the weekend. It really, really did. Just a couple of titans going at it. Uh, one of them was despondent when we saw him on Sunday. He was, he yeah, was he kicking wasn't himself. Happy. He felt like he blew it. And you know what he did. So. And I'll tell him what I told the Broncos fans. Just go for a swim. Clear your head. <laughs> It'll all work swim. out. Uh, just go, just go. It's good advice. Go, go for, for a swim, swim bro. Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> let's let's get the hell out of here. Thank you again, everybody. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.